It is your Tuesday Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Glad to be back for another day and an excellent show coming up. Marnie Gellner from Bally Sports North will join me here in just a minute. Had a great conversation with her on Monday about all sorts of things, and I wanted to share that with you um, on today's show. Just really enjoyed catching up with her on a whole bunch of subjects, so hope you'll stick around here in just a minute for that conversation. End of the show, get just an, an oddly an odd strategic game from the Twins on uh, on Monday, and not one that went their way, a 4-1 loss to the Giants. Wanted to get into some of the inside baseball, uh, both literally and figuratively, from that game. And, of course, we got to get to the Nuggets finishing off a sweep of the Lakers in the Western Conference uh, Western Conference Finals. Nuggets on to the NBA Finals for the first time. A little Timberwolves trivia, a couple Timberwolves connections to that game. Um, but, yeah, a little different show today because I want to start with Marnie Gellner because I just thought, uh, why why waste any other time before we get to that cuz i really thought that was uh, really thought it was an excellent conversation so let's get to that right now i am really happy to be joined today by Marnie Gellner, Bally Sports North host, um, play-by-player. You do some some work with uh, with Bally Sports North on the on the Lynx games for sure. Obviously, you've seen her on many other uh broadcasts. You see her uh, you can listen to her on KFan as well. Um Marnie, how are you today? I'm good, Michael. I'm good. It's a Monday morning. It, the sun is shining, kind of, sort of, through the Canadian wildfire smoke. <laughs> Life is good. Life is good. Well, I, I'm glad to hear that. Um, I want to talk to you about a number of different things, and you know, but kind of by way of introduction, like I just said, everybody kind of knows your work. I think you've been. I was just kind of looking it up. You've been in this market for about 20 years now, which yeah. is mm-hmm. kind of kind of wild to think about. But is that before we get into a bunch of other things, does that feel like it's gone fast, slow? How, how do you kind of think about, I mean, I've kind of been at the Star Tribune for about that amount of time too. How do you think about that span of time? You know, it feels all of all of it at once, depending on what I'm thinking about. Like I, I can distinctly remember my first Timberwolves game and definitely the first season, which was for me, 0203. Before the magical 0304 season. So I came one year before that. And when I think about that, it feels like a long time ago because I've done so much since. But it also feels like, holy, that went fast. That was yesterday. I mean, and we all say it all the time. You know, it goes in a blink of an eye. Jim Peterson always said his advice to people is don't wish time away yes and it's so true and he would talk about like being a rookie in the nba and say saying oh i just can't wait to get through my rookie season i just don't want to be a rookie in here and he'd wish that away and then he would have a sprained ankle and a bruised knee and he'd be like well just i just want to get through this season and get healthy and pretty soon you're wishing nba seasons away and then he's like now i'm not in the nba anymore and i wished time away and i always think of that when I'm thinking about my kids and like, oh, when they're not toddlers anymore, this will be so easy. And oh, when they're, oh, when they can feed themselves and when they can drive. Oh, and now they're 13 and 15. Yeah. And I'm trying to not wish time away. So I'm trying to live in moments and capture moments and breathe deeply and all those things. And how did I get here answering your question about uh, starting, 
starting yeah. at what was then Fox Sports North. Uh, it does. It it feels like yesterday, and it feels like twenty years ago. That, that's yeah. a great way to put it. I, I kind of feel the same way. And, you know, I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about because there is that temptation, especially when you're a parent. My kids are a little younger than yours. Mine are nine, six and three. So I've, you know, we're, we're kind of in that space where, you know, it is tempting. Sometimes you're just like, oh man, like this, some of, some of those ages are just hard, but there's, there's not ever right. a perfectly simple age. And you have to remember to savor, savor those moments. And you're right. Not wish time away. Um, which I guess leads me to some of what I want to talk about um, in the beginning of, of the segment, which was, does that sentiment strike an even stronger chord with you now? I mean, you've been through a very public um, yep. diagnosis of breast cancer a few months ago and now cancer free, which you've told us, you know, a few weeks ago, which is obviously awesome news. I'm, I'm so glad to hear that, but does that not wishing time away or, or other kind of deeper thoughts of life, do those come more to the forefront when you go through something like that? They do. Of course they do. And I would like to think that it wouldn't take something like a breast cancer diagnosis to really grasp that. But um, it certainly, yeah, it certainly rings differently. And even though I wasn't by any means, um, you know, knocking on death's door or fearing for my life, thankfully, I didn't have that kind of diagnosis, but it is one that um, totally stopped me in my tracks. Yeah. And um it it what it did was um i started i've always been t talking to myself or my husband or my my family about i got to cut back i got to i got to figure out which season to lighten up on like i just i work a lot and you know <clears throat> we get really busy and everybody does and you always say like oh i'm going to i got to figure that piece out and what it really made me do, I feel like for me personally was, okay, now I am going to figure that out and here's how I can do it. And here's the piece and I'm going to do. And so I took a handful more Lynx games off this summer than I typically would. And we are going to do, I don't know, we might just drive to Duluth for the weekend, for example, because I've lived here in the Twin Cities for 20 years and my kids and my husband and I, we have never been to Duluth wow. for a weekend. Okay. We went once for hockey day when hockey okay. day was there a handful of years ago. So it was the dead of winter. Other than that, we've never even been to Duluth. We go wherever the kids baseball and softball tournaments take us and we go wherever mommy's work takes us. So that's the other piece is we have all these photos of our family. Here we are in New York. Here we are in San Francisco. Here we are in Florida. Wonderful, beautiful opportunities. I'm so thankful for. And in every one of those, I'm working. Yeah. And the family came out because I had a couple of off days and a hotel room that was paid for. And so we're going to shift that and make a very conscious effort to, even if it's, we are sitting at home this weekend and we're going to make our own slip and slide in the backyard, that kind of stuff. We're just doing that instead of talking about maybe someday making time to do that. So that's, I feel like how it has affected me and my way of thinking and in my life. I think that's a great perspective and you're right. It is. It's, I think people do say, I wish it didn't take something so dramatic for that perspective, but however you come to that perspective is still valuable. So I'm glad you're 
I'm glad maybe that if you're if you're craving a little bit more balance, I'm glad you're you're finding that and that that this is going to maybe push you in in that direction. And I, another question I had about this was you were you were very public about it in terms of at least putting it on social media. I don't imagine that was terribly comfortable, but at the same time, it felt like it was important because you were doing a public service at the same time as you were telling people what was up with you. Yeah, that was not an easy decision, and it was also not easy to do. And the the way I decided to be public with it was layered, several reasons. One of the biggest was while we were waiting to find out exactly what it was, <clears throat> there was a week between um, knowing I even needed a biopsy and being able to get the biopsy. So I had two irregular mammograms and they said, we have to biopsy this area. There was a full week in there. And then from the time I got the results of the biopsy, which you get the next day, but it took a week to get into a biopsy. So that's one week of me and my husband, basically the only two people who knew, thinking about this, talking about this, what are we going to do? Okay, it's probably nothing. What if it's something? Then another week goes by from the biopsy results. Hey, this is breast cancer. Until I can see people who can tell me what type and what it needs. Is there chemo involved? Is that So those were two weeks of complete secrecy of basically just Matt, that's my husband, yeah. and myself. And it was hideous, obviously hideous because, you know, breast cancer is a very scary term, but not being able to tell anyone, even if it's just like a thought of, Hey, can you maybe help with rides later? Or, Hey, didn't your mom go through that? Like just not being able to speak about it. I didn't even tell my mom until we had at least the type of breast cancer because I didn't want her to put her and my dad through what I'm going through, the unknowns. Yeah. So long way around to getting to your, to answer your question is that not being able to talk about it and keeping it just to myself, I hated. Um, I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I, it was, it sucked, but I had a lot of unknowns. And so, and because I work twice a week on the radio, I have this outlet all the time, outlet, outlet, outlet. And the more we share of our lives, really the better radio it is. So when I fall down the stairs and do dumb stuff, which <laughs> I never do, <laughs> when I can share that on radio, it's just, it's part of what makes that, that forum and that platform so good. And it's cathartic for me as well. And so I talked internally to the other guys on the power trip at KFAN first and said to just let them know, Hey, that first of all, I have breast cancer. That was a really hard cause the words I hadn't spoken very often. So, um, then to just kind of get their feeling of, I think I really want to talk about this. Am I right? Do you think, I think I want to talk about it. Yeah. And they were perfectly actually completely supportive because um, of all the things they talk about on that show, breast cancer is not one of them. And they have <laughs> right, a lot right. of, they have enough female listeners that might surprise you. They also have a lot of men who have wives and mothers and sisters and daughters. And, you know, you kind of forget that aspect of it. And so they collectively were super supportive of however deep you want to go, whatever information you want to give, 
we completely 100% support you because there's good that can come of this. And that's sort of the only, I just needed a little nudge to confirm. I think I want to talk about this. Just somebody tell me that's okay to do. Cause I had the urge to, I wanted to, because I thought I could, I could do a little bit of, of help. And I have had several women message me that they went to get their first mammogram or their first mammogram in five years, or they finally got their mom to go or a husband finally got his wife to go. And then I was like, oh, then this is not just for me trying to make good radio or right. uh, talking about it because I want to talk about it. It was me going, okay, maybe I helped a couple people here along the way get back into routine of this. One woman also messaged me. She got her mammogram and she has breast cancer. Wow. Yeah. And um, there's the risk of like somebody being pissed about that, except it's always better to know. Yes. It's always good to know early like that you'll... You just don't hear doctors saying they wish they had found your breast cancer later. So there's a reason for that. So I'm trying to be a voice. I'm trying to be an advocate. And at the same time, I'm trying to move past this and not be defined by it and trying to find the balance. And it's not super easy, but that's I, where I'm walking. I think you're doing a great job of it. And I can I can relate to a certain degree. I mean, I was diagnosed with MS about 10 years ago, and I've been fairly public about it. I don't talk about it daily, but I've, you know, I had a point where I was like, do I go public with this? And I did, you know, but it took me like a good six months. And it's like, that's a, that's a, that's a disease where some of the diagnosis takes a while and you're kind of the unknown that you were talking about kind of rung, rung true with me. or kind of struck a chord as I'm kind of remembering that time and like the unknown and not being able to talk about it is almost harder mm -hmm. than when you get that information then can do something about it and can process it. Yeah. The unknown is a, is a really tough place to be because Google will take you. Oh, all yeah. Places. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and people who people have been there for all kinds of all kinds of things. So I, I think it's it's super relatable and um, it's part of the human experience and there's no really right way to deal with it. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M, so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. I sense the outpouring that you got from that was very genuine, but also was consistent with how people have seen you throughout your time here. And one of the things that I've kind of noticed, you know, as as I cover the media to a certain degree, is that it's hard to be universal, almost universally well liked or well respected when you are on camera so much. When you're in when you're in broadcast media, even in the written media. You managed to do that. I've, I don't think I've ever heard someone say, I really don't like Marnie Gellner. I'd, and I don't, how do you manage to do that? How, do, how have you kind of carved out that space where it seems like you are, at least to me, maybe you get different feedback than I see, but like, it seems to me like you are fairly universally liked, if not loved in this market. I have no idea how to comment on that. Um, I certainly get messages of the contrary of people who uh, can't wait to to pull me down okay uh, but that's social i'm media. sorry to hear that and everybody gets that um my skin is not very thick though so i uh i struggle with that um i you know michael i just i don't know i i like people in general 
Um, and I feel like it's beats the alternative. I'm an optimist by nature and I just try to, I just, I guess maybe a happy disposition or I don't know, but I just, um, I don't like to have a negative outlook on things. I don't like to go through my day grumpy. I don't like to treat people like crap. I don't like, none of that makes me happy. So I, there's no magic formula. I just feel like, I don't know. I like to treat people well. And I hope that that comes back to me and my family and um, try to live the right way, live a good life and uh, see things. The glasses always have full, you know, and it's half full of vodka usually because that's <laughs> also a good way to <laughs> live half, happy, happily uh, throughout the day. Is that, wasn't that, a, was that the, uh... Was that Josh Duhamel that said that? God bless vodka. Or what? That was yeah. a, is this a North Josh, Dakota thing. Is yeah. I, Josh um, Duhamel. What's that? Du- it's Dumel. Dumel. Josh Sorry, Dumel. yes, Dumel. Yeah. Dumel. My bad. Well, he's yes. from Minot. You know, I get sensitive. I get sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, but I wanted to get into the North Dakota. We we share that all. Mm-hmm. I'm from Grand Forks. You spent a couple of years yeah. in Grand Forks, by oh, yeah. the way. Um, yeah, my bit. husband's a UND grad. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. My dad is still a, a professor there. By uh, by a. Uh, um, for at least for um, the next couple of years, at least he's getting closer to retirement age. But if uh, you know, if, if we may talk North Dakota for a little bit, and you're, you're growing up, you know, in in Minot in that area, um, what you know, what what was little Marnie's dream growing up? Was it this? Was it something else? How did you get to this point from from where you were? It was not this. It was SNL. Really? Okay. It was, um, I would say like, oh, I want to be a writer, but really I wanted to be a, a performer. And um, if I wanted to be a writer, it was only because I wanted to write my own stuff and I wanted to write funny things for me. So I did uh, at some point when I was in high school at Bishop Bryan high school in Minot, North Dakota had a notebook and I do not have it anymore. I threw it out years, like 30 years ago. But I had a notebook and I would try to like as things came to me, as ideas came to me, this teacher, these mannerisms, this funny way of talking and be like, there's an SNL character. That's a skit that it was terrible. But I had read different, you know, if I would follow a different comedian or someone who went to the Groundlings or Second City, it was always they had these crazy stories about oh, I had this gym teacher and that's or like Chris Farley's Matt Foley. Yeah, right. that was part Joel Maturi and part someone, someone else from his days in Madison. And so I, I was like, well, I just have to do that. I just have to piece that character with that character and this teacher and then boom. So did I do anything to start my career headed in the direction where I would end up on SNL? No, I did not. And it's funny how you don't get to be on SNL when you do nothing to try to get to be on SNL. So it was like, it was what I wanted to do, but also in Minot, and this is not a, this is not a rip in any way, but we just didn't do that. I didn't even like Josh Dumel leaving and going to LA was the first person I knew of that ever did that. And he did it after college. He went and played football and went to school for four years at Minot State University before he left. So he was 22 or yeah. whatever you are when you graduate. So for me to like, I'm going to go to New York city. I'm just, gonna, I thought that in my head, I had zero inkling of actually doing that. 
So I had to find a way that was much more safe and something that I felt like I was comfortable and capable of doing. And so that was local TV news, starting in Bismarck at KXMB TV 12, your eye on Dakota, then to Grand Forks. Yep. WDAZ, WDAZ, right? The the ABC outlet. Channel at your home team. Yep. And then... Um, and then to Madison, Wisconsin, and and then here, which was Fox Sports North in the fall of 2002. All the while, Michael, yes. trying to get out of this business because this is not what I wanted to do for a career. And all the while, keep kept getting different jobs and being like, well, maybe this is my break. Maybe the, my break. How is my break going to come at WDAZ Channel 8, your home team in Grand Forks, which is not a rip there. At, no, it's but not. How does that get me to SNL? I don't. I don't know what I was thinking. I was too scared. I didn't have, I did not have the guts to do it or try it. Well, there are more barriers back then to me. Think about now, uh, even in a smaller place like Minot or I'm growing up in Grand Forks, those are comparable sized places, you know, Mm -hmm. 30 to 50, 60,000 people. Like I was fairly disconnected aside from, you know, MTV and like, you know, what you saw on TV, but now like the internet, just like if we may speak of just one big thing called the internet, which I don't even know if we can anymore, but like, you know, YouTube, TikTok, like any, any place you can put yourself now, you could have had your own channel back then, but, or, you know, right now, if you were growing up there now, but back then it's like, what are you going to do? Like film yourself with a camcorder and send it to the 30 Rockefeller Center. Like, I don't know. That's, I don't know if that's really, uh, you would have taken a lot more, I guess, to get recognized at that point. Yes, it would have, but people did it. Yes. I didn't. And I'm not, but, I'm not mad. I just, yeah. I, in my, that was my, that was my dream. And it was very vivid. And I thought about it a lot. I just had no uh, ambition to actually pursue it. I didn't have the guts. It's not too late. You're, you know, you're, are you 49 now? Is that right? I am 49 and a half. Yeah. Lauren <laughs> Michaels is looking for a lot of near 50-year-olds. I I'm not necessarily saying SNL, but I'm saying you could still start that journey right now. It's not too late. Like we talked about at the beginning of this segment, you're rediscovering some new some new things, things you want to do with your time. I, I see I see an adjacent path for you, even if you stay in the, in the sports broadcast business. I, I see you pursuing this dream, but I, I imagine you use an element of performance in front of the camera. You have to be comfortable sure. in your own skin to be able to do what you do. No doubt. And that's also why I've stayed in it as long as I have, even though this wasn't my number one choice. I mean, I played sports all through high school, played four sports in high school, played two sports in college. So I'm very much drawn to athletics and that world. And this kind of merges those two things, the the performer and the the jock in me. So I would not have stayed with it if I didn't like it. I really do like my job. I I think I'm good enough at it that I've been able to stay in it. I've never had an agent. I've never tried to go national. I have no idea if I would even be good enough to do that. I kind of just was looking for, I really wanted a family. Once I When I moved to Madison, Wisconsin, where I lived for three years, I wanted to get back home so badly. I loved it there and I had a wonderful experience, but I wanted to come back closer to North Dakota. And so this, again, the happy medium for everything, the location, this little bit of entertainment, a little bit of sports, all of that is kind of this job rolled into the best I could make of it. And it's been a pretty, it's been a great career. It truly, truly has. I'm super happy. It just wasn't 
where I thought I'd be and where I I intended, but it's been really good. And there have been a ton of blessings along the way. Yeah, absolutely. And that maybe leads me to a couple more things before we let you go and get on with your day. Uh, you know, 20 years is a long, a long span of time. A lot of memories, a lot of things you've covered along the way Four links championships in there, um, you know, playoff trips for a lot of these other teams, tons of athletes you've covered. Do you have, again, this is a hard question, especially on the spot, but like, are there specific moments, specific memories, specific people you've covered that stand huh. out? I mean, this is maybe like a question for when you retire, you're not retiring, you're not of that age, but like it, just kind of thinking back on 20 years, what are the, what are the moments that stand out of the, or the characters that stand out? The, the O four wolves run forever. I mean, that's right near the top of the list. And that was my second year yeah. here. I've been here for 20 years and that was year number two. Yeah. I had, I had no idea how significant that would be for that team and in my career. And I wish I had soaked things up a little bit more. I didn't know any better though. And I don't know if we as fans thought we'll never get here again. We'll enjoy it now. We'll never get here again. They've won four playoff games since then. So yikes. So we didn't get there yet. No. Um, I mean that the twins have had some really fun um, seasons and, and post game series to cover it. <laughs> they didn't win the games, but um, they've tried their hardest. Okay. They've tried their but hardest. Like those teams of Tori Hunter, Michael Kodire, yes. Nick, Kuhnfeld, Trevor Plouffe, like those teams. Um, I loved being around those athletes and for my job and what I needed, which was a couple interviews here and there and just people to talk to me once in a while, like phenomenal, fantastic. The Lynx championships runs incredible, incredible top of the mountain for that team and the parades on, on Nicollet, like wonderful. Those are the things that stick out immediately. And I'm, I'm guessing until we get that wolves championship, mm. not this is knocking right on that door. Right. Never know. Like, hey, Rudy Gobert is in the went to a darkness retreat. So yeah, maybe he maybe he's on the verge of that in his best summer ever. Um I'd love it. Links, like you said, you've been doing, you know, doing work on those broadcasts. Now, how how do you enjoy that aspect and kind of working on, you know, working on that side of the that side of the operation? I love it because having spent almost 20 years as a sideline reporter. Yeah. I was constantly told by producers and bless their hearts, wrap it up, wrap, wrap, wrap it up, toss <laughs> it back, wrap it, wrap, gotta go to break, wrap it up, wrap it up. That's going on in your earpiece when we're all watching you, right? Yes. Constantly, because they want you to do these little tidbits, which is, which is great, and that's how it works. But after so many years of that, moving into play-by-play, -play, which I did for the Lynx for basically this entire time, but we would only have six games a yes. year because that's what was in the contract. The contract now for the last two years and going forward is all the games. Yes. So it's a much more um, rhythmic role for me. Instead of jumping in and then three weeks later, have a game and then three weeks later, have a game. Now it's like two or three games a week. Okay. So now um, I get to say all the, all the things I wanted to say because as a sideline reporter, I would have a notebook with ideas and I have this, 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 and I might have 10 to 12 ideas. And in a game, I might use two of them. So I would leave a game and have like these 10 things that I didn't get to contribute because they didn't come to light. Like say it was, you know, Wally Zerbiak working on his free throw routine. 
but Wally never shot a free throw that game. So it's those kinds of things that they have. It has to line up, right? The time it, you can't be headed to a commercial break and the guy gets fouled and you're like, oh, here, now I got the thing. And then go to break. <laughs> you know, the so it has to work out timing wise. Well, all those things I left in my notebook where I would leave a game and be like, I had so much more to say. Yeah. Now doing play by play, I, the research and the work that I put in a lot of times has an outlet, which feels so much more gratifying. And it's just a totally different rhythm for if my winter season is now Timberwolves hosting pregame and postgame. And if my summer season is play by play for the links, it's totally different. It changes my day. It changes my routine. It changes my prep work, keeps me so much more engaged to have a shift. Whereas before this, it was sideline for Timberwolves, sideline for twins, sideline for Timberwolves, sideline for twins and a handful of links games. But this has really been nice to break up the routine and give me just a different approach to the game. It's been awesome. Given everything you've seen, final question. I like to ask a lot of people this, but you referenced that we maybe haven't had a ton of success, especially lately. Even the last Lynx championship was was 2017. What, what's the next Minnesota team you think is going to win a championship? Um, <clears throat> I mean... It might, I mean, it might be the Lynx again. I have not put any thought into this. It might be the Lynx again, but I don't think that would make uh, overwhelmingly Twin City sports fandom forget the pain and suffering of Vikings, Wolves, Twins, all of that, because I don't think 11, 13, 15, and 17 did that. So if I'm going to pick up the, the major sports i mean the wild they the wild have been knocking on that door a little bit too but i just don't i don't cover them i'm gonna say out of left field nfl champion minnesota vikings what wow wow did did you did you, did you grow up watching the vikings or is that oh, yeah. okay i wasn't sure if that was like broncos yeah. territory out in western north dakota or if it was if still vikings there yeah we were we're we're vikings fans i mean you find all kinds you still you yeah. find a lot of packers fans all throughout north dakota too Unfortunately, but, um, yeah, we. I grew up as a Vikings fan. What'd you say? I said unfortunately about the Packers yeah, fans. Sorry, I know. I know. Well, Vikings, you yeah, hear? So, you... I mean, I, I can't give you any context, so don't ask me to break down why. I just, uh, I don't know. Things NFL teams can go from a struggle to a champion more quickly than I feel like than the others do. So, what a terribly boring answer. I like that answer though. I like it because it's 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 bold. It's you know it's never happened before. And I, I say Vikings, Super Bowl champs, and Marnie Gellner on Saturday Night Live. Let's get both of those things. Uh, let's get both of those things oh, cooking. No. Do, they, do they both have the same odds? No. No. In fact, I'd give you better odds maybe at this point based on oh, what, no. I, based on what oh, I've no. seen over the years. But yeah, I, I, let's, 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 get, let's put both. Let's, let's, let's manifest this. Let's manifest this with positive thinking. Maybe both these things can, can happen. Um, well, Marnie, I, I appreciate all of your perspectives and in sharing some of your time today and your your thoughts and stories. Always love watching you on on Valley Sports North and listening to you on KFan. Congrats on all the success and uh, and and best of luck going forward as well. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I learned a lot uh, talking to Marnie. Of course, I've known her plenty 
over the years. And aside from learning how to properly pronounce Josh Demel's name, I've been pronouncing it wrong all these years. Shame on me, fellow North Dakotan. Um, aside from that, though, I learned all sorts of interesting stuff, including her uh, her Saturday Night Live aspirations. Really thought that was a fun part of her story. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as well. And uh, and, and kudos to, to Marnie for all she does and all she is doing right now. Let's uh, let's finish up, like I said at the beginning of the show, with some Twins talk, and we'll get to that Nuggets-Lakers game. Twins, like I said, an odd strategic game. So they, they, they're facing the Giants. Giants end up going with an opener in this game, and so the Twins kind of have their lineup set for the opener, but then uh, then Sean Manaya, a lefty, comes into the game after the after that opening first inning, and the Twins go to their bench. They, they pinch hit twice in the first three innings, once in the second inning. They bring Donovan Solano in to bat for Edouard Julian in the second inning, so you know trying to match up righty against lefty, Julian a left-handed hitter. And then in the third inning, they bring Kyle Garlick to pinch hit for Alex Kirilov. Now, Kirilov and Julian hitting you know high in the order, respectively, leadoff and cleanup in this game, respectively. Um, ostensibly, you know, two of the Twins, you know, if not most productive hitters, certainly Kirilov, one of the most productive hitters, two guys that have a certain amount of pedigree to hit, but both of them are lifted before three innings are even up. Now, I'm not going to quibble so much with the results because, you know, Kyle Garlick and Donovan Solano both wound up having pretty good games. The Twins only got, you know, eight eight guys on base via walk or hit, and Garlick and uh, Solano combined for five of those, three walks and two hits, and Garlick accounted for the only run in that 4-1 loss with a home run in the later innings. But what what that did was... A, it signaled to me a lack of confidence in a couple of young hitters who I think they should have some confidence in, especially Alex Kirilov. I think he's earned the right to bat righty versus lefty, lefty versus lefty, um, and that he should have stayed in the game. But the other thing is, if you have an inkling, and maybe they didn't, you know, Rocco Baldelli talked about how um, Manaya had had thrown a bullpen session, or you know, prior to the game, and they, you know, they thought that it was a possibility he could pitch. They were ready for it, but that maybe they thought, you know, he's not going to pitch in this game because he threw a bullpen, and then lo and behold, he comes in and still throws, you know, over almost four innings in this game, forces them or at least uh, causes them to make those lineup changes. So maybe a little cat and mouse game going on, but the way they stack their lineup up. You know, with with some lefty righty balance, but with those lefties in there initially that they decided to pinch hit for, I thought that was interesting. And, you know, Baldelli's logic was solid. They fell behind four nothing right away in this game. Billy Ober with a terrible first inning. So you know, Baldelli feeling like they had to chase some runs early, make some offensive switches, maybe get some matchups early that they wouldn't have otherwise. But I just th- I found it to be curious. I do want to let Baldelli Rocco Baldelli explain kind of the rationale because I thought it was I thought the logic was sound and I thought the results were fine so here was Rocco on that well we had it reasonably balanced to start but um, you have to be willing in my opinion when you're facing a situation like that to be willing to make uh, moves and get guys in there when you go down for nothing early in the game it really affects a lot of things and you know if you're battling along or you have a lead uh, or you're playing a real tight ball game, you can leave your lineup out there, let them grind through a few at-bats, see if you can uh, stay competitive or, or, or even be in the lead. But when you go down 4 nothing and they bring in Manaya, mm-hmm. um, it tells you he's going to pitch. He's going to, he's, you know, could they have taken him out after an inning? Yes, but we didn't think that was going to be the case if he made it into the game. Um, and he did make it into the game. And, and once that, that lead, once they took that lead, um, 
you know, we, we had to get our guys in there. So it was definitely uh, an unorthodox type of game with the with the moves we made. But Solano and uh, and Garlic went in there and did a pretty good job. Um, uh, yes, it's unusual. Our guys were prepared for what was to come. They knew it was an opener, and they knew it could be an odd game. Now, the only real quibble I have is that you, by doing that, you've burned Kirilov and Julian by the end of the game. They're not there. Um, your lineup is kind of set. Maybe you've got Trevor Larnick sitting there on the bench. He didn't get in the game. He could have maybe batted later. But you come to a situation in the eighth inning where you've got a righty in there, Tyler Rogers, and you've got the tying run at the plate with Kyle Farmer and Willie Castro. Uh, Farmer, I believe, strikes out. Willie Castro strikes out for the fourth time in four at-bats. Would have loved to have had either Alex Kirilov or Edouard Julian to bat in that situation, and they did not. Again, a little bit of splitting hairs. I don't know what the perfect situation here is. Uh, I just I just don't really love pinch hitting for Alex Kirilov in the third inning of a game, even if you're down 4 nothing, I feel like you're going to want his bat a few more times later in the game. Nothing against Kyle Garlick, who had, a, you know, who had a good game, who got on base twice, including a home run. Nothing against Donovan Solano, who came in and, you know, got two walks and a hit. They just didn't get much offense overall, and Baldelli, you know, co- you know, correctly just you know diagnosed the main problem that they're not getting enough good at bats but some strange just some strange maneuvering in this game something you wouldn't typically see i wanted to shine a light on it necessarily not necessarily a complaint although there were some some gripes about it especially on social media but just kind of a curiosity point and wishing alex kirilov had more swings later in that game and let's finish with the cooler, some Timberwolves connections to the Denver Nuggets knocking the Lakers out of the playoffs. A clean sweep, 1-2-3-4 in the series, and 1-2-3 with the Timberwolves connections. Number one, Denver Nuggets, a team that made it to the Western Conference, made it through the Western Conference all the way to the NBA Finals for the first time. That leaves the Timberwolves as one of just five teams who have never made it to the NBA Finals, joining the Clippers, Hornets, Grizzlies, and Pelicans. That is not great company to be in. Will they ever get there? Well, some good news is that the guy who built the Nuggets, largely Tim Connolly, is now the president of the Timberwolves, at least for now, and looks like he will be for the foreseeable future. You know, he of the much maligned Rudy Gobert trade, but that still has some time to play itself out. Gobert, by the way, in a darkness retreat uh, recently, just like Aaron Rodgers, maybe that will unlock some of his potential. But Denver getting it done, some some benefit to keeping that roster together, some benefit to what Tim Connolly and some of the folks there have put together even before he left for Minnesota. So that's connection number two. Connection number three, D'Angelo Russell, another subpar game for for uh, for the Lakers in this one finished with I mean the first half he barely played he came off the bench in this game they're like enough is enough of D'Lo played just um, got it right here played just 15 minutes in the game he was actually a plus six which was a benefit but four points didn't make a three-pointer pretty limited action like I said 15 minutes they really LeBron played 48 minutes trying to go the whole game save this season they start Dennis Schroeder who played 13 or 38 minutes had 13 points so they kind of go back to the all kind of the all pre-trade deadline team uh, more or less, um, you know, no, you know, D'Lo for 15 minutes off the bench, no Jared Vanderbilt, no Malik Beasley. So the Wolves, the former Wolves players, they got in the trade, um, you know, later in the year where where the Wolves got Mike Conley Jr. and and Russell Westbrook was shipped out to Utah. None of those guys really a factor in the series, and especially as they got swept. So I'll be interested to see what the off season holds for those guys, particularly D'Angelo Russell. 
That will do it for me today. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Should be some good stuff coming up tomorrow. Definitely some talk about some NFL rule changes and other stuff to come, and probably some twins as well. Thanks for joining me here today. Back at it again on Wednesday.